In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to overcome your struggles with your dog through games. Now, we received a message and this message is about a dog who an owner is struggling with and they are trying to solve a problem. And we appreciate it's a problem that many people try to solve. And the concern for Tom and I, we really want to bring you this one, is the way in which it's often attacked, right? And literally And so actually, this is a problem that we just feel needs tackling. So um, the message says, just to check, are you guys able to be able to take your dog's uh, bone away from them and then place it back? Or do they growl at you? I've noticed my dog growls every time I try and remove anything or handle anything they've got. And I've been told by my trainer to take it away and to pop it back. And actually, they're now experiencing some warning signs of biting, even bigger warning signs of biting, and potentially actually quite scared of their dog. But what they're doing is trying to remove something that this little dog really, really values. Now, it's a common struggle, Tom. We see this sort of way of approaching it quite frequently, and I suppose it concerns me. Yeah, and the challenge is is in the past, and we've all heard this, it's almost been like a thing that you, you know, have to do. Like a rites of passage, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and often, you know, I'll, I'll have a behavior because the dog said, uh, the, the owner said, oh, my dog barks at every dog on a walk. And I just have to stop there. Dog. I prefer the dog said. I know. I know. <laughs> um, the, the owner says, my dog barks and lunges at every dog on a walk. I need a plan. I don't understand it because, you know, he's a good dog. I can take a bone off him and give it back to him. And um, I think we, you know, we, we kind of have had it in the past drilled into us that this is something determines if a dog is well behaved or and it's almost been drilled into us that this is something you should be able to do to your dog regularly and do it as like a practiced opportunity yeah. to remove things from them yeah um and just the, out of interest have you ever had someone remove your food from you part way through uh, they didn't <laughs> <laughs> that, that chocolate pizza yeah, you were eating exactly. earlier can you exactly. imagine if anyone had gone that near it been, uh, <laughs> that would have been a good outcome and so what we've got to realize is actually um, our dogs have, uh, you know, various, various things that they can do to communicate with, with other animals as they go through life. And one of them is actually to say, you know what, I kind of, I kind of like that thing that I have. And so the first thing that we've got to establish is, is it appropriate or not? And this is a question that we get asked, you know, within multi-dog households a lot. Um, I don't know, two, two or three dogs have things that they value. One dog goes up to the other dog. Um, dog that they approach does a little growl and then that dog walks away. And um, the point is, is you have to think, is it functional and is it effective or not? 
If the other dog listens when they growl and leaves that dog alone, that's absolutely effective. If it stays at a growl and the communication is successful, then I'd say that's kind of an appropriate way for and a group of animals to live. It's an appropriate conversation, yeah. right? Because effectively, that growl is um, a dog saying um, that, that that is their conversation. Like That's exactly how they're communicating. Yeah. And my concern is sometimes that we potentially punish those growls and actually by shutting those growls down and punishing those growls, you remove any yeah. uh, potential warning system. And so what does, what, what, what are you actually teaching the dog when you take something away from them um, when they're growling and then give it back to them? The reality is what they, when you take something away from them, regardless of whether you give it right back, that is an initial loss of something that they value. And so... What the dog could learn from that and is likely to learn from that is that actually the growl didn't work. They took it away anyway. Now, some dogs, they'll say, oh, okay, the growl didn't work. Oh, okay, I got it back. You know what? Maybe this is a big deal. But a lot of dogs would actually learn, hmm, the growl didn't work. I lost something that was really important to me. And next time I might escalate that and I might skip the growl and I might go straight to the bite. Now, I think the other thing that's really... Um worth us considering here is both Tom and I can handle anything our dogs have. Yeah. So I don't want you to think that this isn't something that we would could do. It's more that the way that we would approach it and the way that we would see it with our dogs to make yeah. sure it's a good deal. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've got some kind of rules that we have for our dogs and absolutely we could walk up to any of our dogs, take a bone directly from their mouth. They wouldn't have an issue and with it. Even better than they wouldn't have an issue with it. I think we should be really honest with Tom and say they actually would probably quite like it. Yeah. They like they would think an, it was a good deal. Oh, it must be a good deal that's so happened. An example of that would be, let's say, um, our dog, in fact, this morning, this was a funny moment, I gave all of my dogs a, a mackerel. Um, I thought it was a nice frozen mackerel for them to have a, a little treat. Some of you guys have that is crazy. Sometimes dogs have part raw fed. And I decided that all of them this morning could have a, a little bit of a mackerel. Now, as I um, gave it to one, one of them left a mackerel classic, wasn't sure what to do with it, Tom, typical classic moment, wasn't sure what to do with it. And in that moment, Tokyo went to take it. So rather than him take that one, I called him and gave him a different one. So effectively, he was disengaging from one and taking another. So I did give him a second one. He did have a second mackerel. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I was removing that other one that he was about to go and take from another dog effectively because she was still in the vicinity. Yeah. So the first rule that we've got for you is actually the resource doesn't come away from the dog. The dog comes away from the resource. So what we would do early on with our dogs is we'd actually be you know, calling them over to us um, while they've got something, giving them something really good, like some of their daily food allowance or even another one of what and they've got and sending them back. If they've got something valuable, then we might need to give them something more valuable. Yeah. So, for example, Tokyo was eating a mackerel. And so what I might do is give him, I don't know, a piece of chicken. Um, it might be something else that you give them that is higher value than what they already have. You need to... One thing I love about dogs or... To be honest, the types of dogs that I often work with is they're intelligent. They get a good deal. So if you give them a bad deal, you call them off a mackerel for a piece of kibble and they'll probably say, that's a pretty crappy deal. And actually, no, I don't fancy it. Whereas if you give them a good deal, dogs yeah. know a good deal. Yeah. So to recap on that, you can um, a little game that you can play is you can call your dog away from something give them something even better and then send them back to that thing that you called them away from. So they get both. They get both. And I think this is the really cool thing. Like yeah. they, they have the opportunity of both. Your dog, rather than sees the, see, seeing this as a, a sort of an opportunity um, of, of loss or a moment of loss, rather, they see it as an opportunity of gain. So actually they almost get double. So it's a double up. Right? That's what we want. It's a good deal. Now, the next thing that 
do an add-in as a layer here is that we really like to play switching games with our dogs. So whether that be toy switch, so we get them playing with one toy and then we might get them to switch to a different toy. Any of toy. you guys who are in Training Academy are super cool Netflix of dog training. You guys will have probably watched this game because yeah. it's one of our favorites in our, I think it's almost 300 games now in the Training Academy, which is insane. So you will have seen this, I'm yeah. sure, you guys that are um, Training Academy crew. Shout out to you. Um, we might equally get our dogs switching between food in each hand. So they disengage from one hand and then they get food from the other. We might even get our dogs switching between different types of food that, we, that we're, we're delivering to them. And the idea being that they learn that switching is fun and actually that switching is always switching to a better deal. And it's always a good deal. Dogs know a good deal. They get a good deal. It's yeah. always a good deal. And I'll be honest, like sometimes it's a hard one to match. One of my dogs the other day tried to roll in a dead seagull. You have to find good deals for them, right? Like it yeah. was not, I didn't think that was a great idea. They thought it was a fantastic idea. Oh, a dead seagull. You know what? Sometimes you've got to get creative with what is a good deal. And so for me this morning, actually, I gave Tokyo a bigger mackerel. You know what? That was the only option I had in the circumstance and it was an okay deal. And yeah. I think the cool thing is that you get to create that and no one else gets to set those rules. It's you and your dog. Um, next tip that we would then have for you is actually that um, we don't want to... The idea of giving our dogs, you know, whether it be bones or long-lasting chews or whatever it might be, really should be to inspire calmness. And if your dog is actually using that time to worry about, you know, people moving around them when they have that thing, you know, from an intentional dog training perspective, actually, we're not, what, what we intended is not what we're achieving. And I think really importantly there, Tom, like you'll see those dogs, they'll be like rubbing their nose to try and push it into a corner. They'll be digging it, burying it, sitting on it. Uh, anxiously guarding it, looking at other dogs and checking out where they are. They're not sitting and enjoying a bone. So it's not like you and me having a nice dinner or like, you know, when we go out for a meal or something like that. This is someone who's anxiously waiting at every sort of corner for someone to ring the call or inter- ring the phone or interrupt them or like they're not content in their, in their activity, right? So this is where you might want to give your dog the, the bone or the, the chew or whatever it is in in a safe space where actually they're away from the the happenings of the household so that they're not you know occupy it spending their time worrying about what's going on around them why you work on the layers and i think if they are still finding that difficult and still shoveling it into the corner and burying it and digging it and sitting on it and worrying about someone walking past the crate or puppy pen or bed actually let's not give it to them yeah. for a little while it's not and let's, what you, want. <laughs> you don't it's like it's like anything that um, tom and i do here at absolute dogs and, and game changer land there's no fixed rule. Like nobody set rules on this is how you must dog train. Yeah. This is how you need to work with your dog. Your dog is absolutely not a robot. Your dog is real life. Your dog has a pulse and a heartbeat and a, an amazingly cool headspace. And what you need to do is work with the dog in front of you. And when you're not working with the dog in front of you and you're going by the textbook that says remove a bone or give him a bone or whatever it might be. Yes, Tom and I do give our dogs bones um, and suitable bones depending on the dog. Um, but most of all, it's done in a way to promote calmness um, alongside lots of other things we do in our calmness protocols. And actually, if it's not promoting calmness, let's not do it. And equally, yeah, we give our dogs bones. And yes, we could take, the, take those bones from them and our dogs would think that that would still be a really amazing deal and they'd probably really, really like it. But that wasn't built through taking the bone away. Doing it. it was actually built through all the layers that shared with you in this and podcast. interestingly i would say that very rarely have i had to need to yeah. and yet when i do i've never ever seen anything but optimism in leaving mm-hmm. what they're doing yeah. so i really love that it's a train for the situation not in the situation i don't need to remove the bone 100 times to test it's okay what i need to do is train disengagement train calmness change 
train appropriate responses um, around me being there and present and, and what it means if I'm around. Actually, all of those things build to a dog who's cool about us, us working with them in that way. Absolutely. So, guys, if that doesn't convince you, then I don't know what will. But you've got some games, you've got and some strategies. Please share this, guys, because it, it scares, scares us to see some of the stuff that's going around. It scares us to see um, dogs having uh, bones taken away from them and them worrying and growling and looking anxious and hiding under tables or whatever else they might do. Actually, there's a cooler way to do this. There's a kinder way to do this. There's a way in which your dog will trust you as a um, as a, as an expert in that relationship to really know what a good deal is yeah. and. And you really will have a much more harmonious house in doing so. Absolutely. You're a great team with your dog. You've got to celebrate that. So with that, guys, that was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, stay sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel challenge? It's a 25-day online video program. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.